You're listening to the Morrowology Podcast. It's all about Morrow County, Ohio. I'm really glad I stayed till the end for this one. In the studio today is your hosts, Mike Wilson and Joey Powell. Mm-hmm. Mike Amos! Wow. Are you constipated? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. My wife says I'm full of crap. Well, hi, Joe. How are you, sir? Long time no see. I know you've been lucky. Or I've been lucky. Either yes, way, sir. one of us. Oh? Because we get to work with the because you get to work with me, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So guess what, sir? Why number eighty? Yahoo! Eighty times we've been infecting ears. <laughs> wow. When you put it that way, it sounds so <laughs> disgusting. Um, yeah. So that's kind of exciting, right? Thinking about that, number eighty is the big episode number here. And um, Mike, I think we would be. Um, we need to say that it is election day. It is. The day that we're recording this is election day. That is it is Tuesday about 6.30 p.m. Polls don't close for another hour. And uh, I voted. Did you? I did. I, I did early voting. Oh, you did early voting? Board of Elections, yes. Shame, shame. Uh, anyway, hey, by the way, we are now over 5,200 downloads. Almost 5,200 wow. and a half. Um, there's been... Uh, Actually, there's been an uptick in the last 14 days. We have had more folks download our podcast. Uh, you can see, like between November 1st through November 5th, there were there was quite the spike of downloads there. Wow! Yeah, so that's pretty cool. We're glad that you guys are all here. Uh, Mike Ferretti, Robin Brucker. Um, oh, Kevin Halp. Can't forget Kevin Halp. He, <laughs> Can't forget Kevin. <laughs> he uh, he frequents the show here. For us, yes. Yeah. So uh, just wanted to share here, guys. It is election day, but we're not going to talk too much about the election right now. What we are going to talk about is some of the fun stuff coming up. And uh, I'm going to just shout out right now. Shout it out. Real shout loud. Real, real, real proud. Black Panther 2. Wakanda Forever. This weekend at the Capitol Theater, Friday and Saturday at 5 p.m., 8 p.m., Sunday at 2 p.m. and 5 p.m. Be there or be square. Well, while we're talking about theater, how things go with the Preston Cooper concert? Preston Cooper, and we added Garrett George. Yes, yes. And uh, we, <laughs> it wasn't a packed house, but it was pretty doggone full. Yeah. We had about cool. uh, just under 130 people. Um, we can fit about 180. So I was really impressed with the turnout, and uh, the folks that were there said it was phenomenal. Oh, it was awesome. a great time. Uh, the The two guys, I got to tell you, they are very talented, and they are very young. And uh, when you put that together, uh, I don't think that there's anything those two can't do. They, they're just very talented uh, guys. So I was very thankful they were willing to come and do the show for us at the Capitol Theater. And... Uh, uh, I think just about everybody, Mike, who left, uh, they kept saying, can, can you schedule some more? <laughs> so um, we're going to see what we can do. And a special thank you to Finley Entertainment. Uh, they sponsored the event for us. And that was a late addition to the event. And uh, it, just a good time. So coming up fast... If you visit marlittletheater.org, you'll find that we are presenting Mar- or, uh, Elf Jr., the musical, 
and they have been rehearsing now for seven weeks. They're getting ready to start their eighth and final week. The show starts Friday, November 18th, and Saturday, November 19th at 7 p.m., and then on Sunday, it's going to be at 2.30 p.m. That is at the Handlebar Ranch on County Road 76, also known as Home Road, just down from the Sheriff's Office. Uh, Tickets are available online, or you can buy them at the door. Mike, we also have... It's Christmas time is coming up. It uh, there's just so much stuff that's going to be all over the county. Yes, that's hitting us. Uh, this Sunday at noon, we have the Texas Hold'em benefit for uh, Save a Warrior Project. Kev, uh, Chris Shearborn is putting that on at the Mount Gilead VFW post on Saturday the 26th at 10 a.m. We have the November Downtown Days in Mount Gilead. On December 3rd, we have the Marengo Christmas in the Village celebration and parade. And at the old uh, firehouse there on May- in Main Street uh, in Marengo. Uh, those are just some of the quick things that I could find. i got to go to my other page here. Do you have anything that well, uh, you want to share? Well, before we get to those events, um, uh, this coming Friday is Veterans Day. Yes. And I have a rundown of things that are going on. Um, you know, all these are going on in or around, oh, Mount Gilead, Cardington, and Marengo. So I'll go down through this list. And you can find this at What's Happening in Morrow County as well. Um, the Seniors On Center here in Mount Gilead on Center Street is having a luncheon with a special thank you for veterans. Uh, you need to have your reservations in by November 3rd. But uh, if you have a reservation, don't forget to attend. That will be at 12 p.m. The Morrow County Veterans Memorial up by the um, courthouse on November 11th at 9.30. There will be a brick dedication, and the speaker will be somebody we've had on here, Frank Hickman. Oh, Frank Hickman, our buddy yeah. and pal. We ought to have him back and talk well, about will, some stuff. We will, we will. Uh, Mount Gilead on the Square, uh, Friday, November 11th at 11 o'clock, Veterans Day program. I know that um, Rick Lyle will be a speaker at that. Uh, I don't know if there are other other speakers or not, but I know that Rick is speaking for that. Also on November 11th, VFW Post 8054 in Mount Gilead, free lunch for veterans and their family following program at Square in Mount Gilead. Honor Guard members will be served first. And also at the American Legion Post 97 in Cardington on November 11th at 6.30 p.m., there's a free dinner for veterans and family. Program follows. For any questions, call Jim Morris at 419-864-9860. And also the American Legion Post 710 in Marengo on November 11th at 6 p.m. The doors will open at uh, 4.30 p.m. There will be a free dinner for veteran members only. So there's all those things, and if you um, need to, if you didn't catch something I said, go to Facebook to what's happening in Morrow County, and this whole rundown is right there. So uh, also going on at our um, local Groovy Plants Ranch on Saturday, November nineteenth at ten thirty a.m. Kids Turkey Planter, and I'm not sure if you need reservations for that or not. But you can find that on our page on our. Uh, our Facebook page here. It is, yes, you do need tickets for that, and it looks like it's $15, which is not a bad price. And from what I uh, 
from what I've experienced and what I've seen others post pictures about, it's a really good time when they do something fun like that. The Steinmetz Boutique at Gilead Christian School Craft Show is this Saturday at 9 a.m. They have, and I always say it, LuLaRue, I think, LuLaRue. I can't remember what that is. Clothing, Cincy, accessories, and more. So there'll be a bunch more stuff there as well. So that's this Saturday at 9 a.m. at the Gilead Christian School. Mount, um, I already shared that one, the Mar Little Theater. Here's what I was telling you about. So, remember I talked to you about Choina's Christmas, their festival of lights here. It's called Choina Christmas Wonderland. Oh, yes. Uh huh. Yes. So, they are, and I was hoping they would have the new counter up. I did see where they have the counter, but it looks like to me. The address is 2799 Township Road 167, Cardington, Ohio. And it's kind of way out in the boondocks. Uh, it's way out there, but it's it's really a good time. I added this to our page, and on November 5th, they posted they are less than 20 days away from the Christmas light season. And uh, evidently, they had just started putting stuff out, uh, putting all those lights out now that the leaves have fallen and stuff like that. There's a picture of uh, some of the stuff, and they've got the kids out there helping them. And looks like they're going to have something uh, laying out as uh, maybe a flag. Although that was in July they did that. Um, but it's a good time. It's all set to music, Mike. So you'll uh, enjoy it if you get the opportunity to drive out there. I think you can sit there. It's about 20 minutes long, I think. And, uh, I mean, it really is a, a really good time. So... Have you ever been out there for that? I have not. Yeah, you should You should drive out there. Uh, you just drive in, drive down the driveway. There's pull-offs for you to pull off if somebody's trying to pass or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you just go, turn your lights off, sit in the car, turn to the radio station. Oh, wow. And it's all set to the music. Right here in Morrow County. That's right here cool. in Morrow County. Yes. It's, uh, it, it really is pretty cool. And it does get busy. I think we waited until after Christmas, I think, to go last year. But it was a good time. I definitely would recommend it, so... Well, Mr. Mike, I do have some other uh, events going on if you Yeah. if you'd like to hear. Yeah. Um this is from the uh, Morrow County Sheriff's Office and I'm going to read it just like it's uh, written here. The Morrow County Sheriff's Office is hosting our 15th annual food drive. The food drive benefits a local food bank in our county just in time for Thanksgiving. Donations of non-perishable food items can be made at the Sheriff's Office 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. November 4th through November 22nd. Your generosity will help families in need this holiday season. And if you do have any questions, you can call, um, let's see, the phone number is 419-947-4845, or you can email jmosier, M-O-S-H-E-R, at morrowcountysheriff.org. So there's a way that you can help some folks in the community that are in need of help. Uh, Also, what's happening in Morrow County, there's going to be a free community uh, celebration feast at the uh, Pleasant Grove Church of Christ. That's County Road. I should know where that is. Um, I know exactly where it is. I can't think of County Road. Um, Everyone is invited to share in this community feast. Is that on 46, Pleasant Grove? 46, yes. County Road 46? Yes, so that's up in between, uh, out by uh, um, Candlewood Lake. Um, it's yeah, out in that far. range. Yeah. Yes, yes. If you if if you go out of Mount Gilead on forty two to nineteen, turn left. Uh, that is the first road to the right. It's a little ways out there. You go through a 
a uh, four-way stop and then it's a little ways up there on your right-hand side. So keep that in mind. That's uh, open to the public. Uh, free community celebration feast at the Pleasant Grove Church of Christ, November 19th, starting at 5 p.m. So let's see. So, you know, Mike, uh, the Mount Gilead Public Library did their story walk. They opened it. They had their ribbon cutting for that. Mm -hmm. And uh, Angela took the kids. I was at the movie theater working, but they absolutely loved it. They thought it was the coolest thing. And uh, I think we're going to end up going back for that because it was such a good time. The kids loved it. So I've heard that was a wonderful event. Yeah, it really was. And they have some good pictures that they planted. Also wanted to share here, Small Business Weekend is November 25th, 26th, 27th at Groovy Plants Ranch. And that is going to be um, a really good time. It looks like they got a pretty cool planter here that they're you're going to be able to do, do it. It says uh, Groovy Groovy friends, we have an awesome lineup of classes and events for November and December. We have food trucks, vendors, fam- family planting projects, and of course, lots of plants. We cannot wait to share the holiday cheer with you and yours. They also are going to have Santa's planting weekend on December 3rd and 4th. Um, and they've got some pretty cool things there that they're showing. And then it, the Giving Tree is back again at the Selvar Public Library and uh, I think that's where you go and you take an ornament off of the tree mm-hmm. and buy it and bring that back, I believe, is how that works. Um, so if you're interested, and I'm sure there'll be many, many more of those popping up around the area um, as we go through, you know, this season. Yeah, we're getting closer and closer to Christmas and we're going to be having a lot of Christmas announcements. But here's another one. Uh, the Morrow County EMS and 9-11 is going to have a festival of trees. It's going to be uh, Thursday, December 1st through December 4th. Um, What to expect? There will be 16 beautifully decorated Christmas trees donated by local businesses to be raffled off. Additionally, there will be a wreath auction on Sunday, December 4th. Local elementary and high school musical groups will be performing, and there will be a community sing-along following the parade Friday evening. Light refreshments will will be offered for sale as well as commemorative ornaments and t-shirts so that's going on december 1st through december 4th yes so mr mike what do you you got anything else i think that i think we i think i think so because that was a lot of stuff so that's a lot all right hang on buckle your seatbelt. please keep your hands and arms inside of the vehicle till it comes to a complete stop thank you for writing the morology podcast Flashback is brought to you by the Morrow County Historical Society. Now open every Sunday from 2 to 4 p.m. Stop in and learn about Morrow County's past. All right, Mr. Mike, now it is time for you to share the shocking story of Rural Electric. Oh, yes. Hey, that's pretty good. Thank you. Warning, warning, bad (laughs) pun just given. (laughs) Warning. There you go. Yes. Well, last week we started talking about uh, rural ele- rural electrification. That's a hard thing to say. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we left off. I was going to make this a two-parter. Again, this was put together by my friend Stan Sype. So thank you, Stan. Um, REA requirements called for a minimum of three customers per mile before the agency would fund construction. Morrow County provided 3.5 customers per mile at the time of the co-op's founding, 
of the 1930 census, total of 14,489 people in the county, over 10,000 lived outside of the six incorporated villages. A month or two after it was established, Morrow Rural Electric officials applied for a startup loan from the Rural Electrification Administration in Washington, D.C. In the meantime, while other officials were waiting on word from Washington membership, membership in the co-op swelled to over 750. Morrow Rural Electric Cooperative Incorporated. Oh, going to do a Paul Harvey here. Page 9. Initially, would provide service for 14 of the 16 townships in Morrow County. Canaan and Cardington Townships belong to the Marion County Cooperative. In addition, the local co-op would serve five townships in Knox County and two in Richland County. On February 12, 1937, a telegram reached the office of Morrow Rural Electric Co-op in Mount Gilead. It read, Glad to advise you allocation of $250,000 for Project 59 has been uh, made. Letter to follow. Alphabetically, Morrow is the 59th county in Ohio. The federal REA had approved the co-op's application for a loan to cover the cost of building 250 miles of of infrastructure, a 30-year loan to build over 370 miles of lines had originally been sought. However, an additional allotment was granted during the next fiscal year. This is big stuff, the electricity coming to the uh, folks out in the country. As of mid-1937, the ball was rolling on bringing electricity to the county's farms. Arrangements were made with the Marion Reserve Power Company to provide electricity for Morrow Rural Co-op's lines. The first electrical substation was built in Lincoln Township on State Route 529. Next, a contractor was hired to erect the poles, lines, and transformers. Electric meters were installed on homes. The first power line strung extended east from Cardington through Lincoln, Harmony, Franklin, and Chester Townships. The co-op's first power pole was set on State Route 529 on July 7, 1937. As Morrow Rural Electric Co-op would perform wire repair, maintenance, and installation work, a service truck was purchased. Linemen were hired. During the next month, the Ohio Central Telephone Company, uh, Ohio Central Telephone Corporation, filed a lawsuit against the co-op to stop power line construction on Morrow County Road 20 in Harmony Township. The telephone company had objected to the co-op's request to have telephone poles relocated to the opposite side of the road. The action, however, was settled out of court after a couple of weeks. The former Van Scoy Chemical Company building on Douglas Street in Mount Gilead was remodeled for use as headquarters for both the Morrow Rural Electric Cooperative Incorporated and the Morrow County Farm Bureau. The neighboring Marion Rural Electric Cooperative energized lines of its members at the beginning of 1938. Local co-op officials encouraged their members in Morrow County to have their homes and barns wired and inspected as soon as possible. A $5,000 REA loan had been secured by Morrow Rural Electric Co-op to assist its members with wiring their farms and purchasing appliances. The loans could be um, amortized in five years 
through their monthly electric bills. Page 10? <laughs> uh, page 11. No, 12, 12. Sorry. Yes, there we go. My fingers aren't working tonight. These loans could also be used for the installation of indoor plumbing. Ah. Bye-bye, Outhouse. The co-op sponsored an appliance show in Mount Gilead in March, held over three days at the newly built Ford dealership on South Main Street. The Morrow County uh, Spring Electrical Festival drew a total of nearly 5,000 attendees. Thirteen countywide dealers exhibited practically everything electrical manufactured for homes and farm use. Electrical appliance demonstrations were staged for attendees. Cooking demonstrations using electric ranges were given, as were lectures on the uses of electricity on the farm. Entertainment was provided nightly. This first-of-a-kind show was a huge hit. By April of 1938, nearly 500 rural Morrow County farms had been wired for electrical service. Everything was in place for Morrow Rural Electric Co-op to energize its inaugural homestead when the county was slammed by a crippling ice storm early that month. The ice storm caused massive telephone and power outages countywide. Lines and utility poles, about 500 in all, snapped under the weight of the ice. In some locations, residents were without service for up to three weeks. Morrow Rural Electric Cooperative Incorporated had to reset many poles and restring several miles of wire due to this storm. At 4.20 p.m. on May 9th of 1938, the farm home of Lloyd Haycock on State Route 529 in Lincoln Township was the scene of a historic event. Haycock's home was the first to be energized by the Morrow Rural Electric Co-op. While the Haycocks were enjoying the first moments of living better under elect, uh, better electrically, co-op manager Howard Clapper and his board... Hey, of, I recognize that name. Yeah, and his board of directors celebrated their feet in a newly built home just east of Mount Gilead. The Morrow Rural Electric Co-op was the 16th rural electrification unit to be placed into operation in the state. It had been less than three years since the Ohio Farm Bureau had rallied the farmers to bring rural electrification to the state. Standard home installation practices in 1938 featured a ceiling-mounted light light fixture installed in each room, usually controlled by a light switch mounted near a door. At most, one electrical outlet was installed per room. Even though electrical appliances were widespread by then, they were still, they were still somewhat expensive. Rural electrification had several immediate benefits. It helped to keep young people from leaving the farm. It helped to raise the grades and test scores of school pupils. Attendance in rural churches increased. Children were cleaner, thanks to indoor plumbing. Respiratory disease decreased, also due to indoor plumbing. And the installation of drinking fountains. Writing in the May 1939 issue of Rural Electrification News, Gilead Township farmer A.L. Vaughn explained how electricity had increased egg production on his farm. Vaughn wrote of how the installation of night lights in his hen house had increased production from an average of 15 to over 100 eggs per day in less than a month. That is excellent results. Oh, geez. In July of 1939, the REA circus came to the county. 
begun as an experiment in Iowa in late 1938. This two-day show was instituted to demonstrate, promote, and educate farmers about electric, electricity and its many uses. Using large circus tents, the tour was loaded with demonstration equipment for farm and home. Visitors flocked to the circus at every stop to learn about the latest in labor-saving devices. Sponsored by Morrow Rural Electric Co-op, the REA Circus was held on a farm near Marengo. Approximately 5,000 were in attendance. In total, the REA Circus visited 26 states before it folded due to World War II. I am going to. You're going to make this a three parter. This is going to be a three parter. (laughs) At least a three parter because there's a lot of pages. Well, a part of it's pictures. Um, But uh, but pictures don't project very well. No, not at all. Uh, We're going to stop there for now. And next week, we're going to continue on the rural electrification of Morrow County. Awesome. All right, so, Mike, since it is Election Day, I did decide to go back into the history books and look at some of the most contested or uh, memorable elections. And one of the first elections that actually was um, somewhat straught with uh, issues were was the presidential election of 1800. Do you remember that election? <laughs> I... <laughs> I have no recollection of that election. Well, Mr. Thomas Jefferson, Democratic Republican, defeated John Adams, a Federalist, in the presidential election of 1800 by an electoral vote of 73 to 65. However, because electors could not distinguish between president and vice president when voting prior to the 12th Amendment, which was established in 1804, Jefferson and his running mate, Aaron Burr, received the same number of votes in the Electoral College. With the vote tied, the presidential election was then decided by the House of Representatives as stipulated in Article 2, Section 1 of the U.S. Constitution after 36 ballots. 36 ballots. 36, okay. The Federalist-controlled House finally elected Thomas Jefferson president on February 17, 1801. Now, I'm going to read that last section again. With the vote tied, the presidential election was was then decided by the House of Representatives as stipulated in Article 2, Section 1 of the U.S. Constitution. After 36 ballots, the Federalist-controlled House was finally, they finally elected Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson was not the Federalist candidate. John Adams was. Oh, okay, okay. And they did not choose their guy. Okay, so they they actually did what the Constitution said. Wow. Yeah. What a concept. So, you know, the reason I'm sharing this is there's been lots of conversation already, and this irritates me to no end. There's been conversation already in the last two weeks, more so in the last week, that elect this election may not be a good election, meaning it may be stolen or it may be, you know, fraught with um, suppression or blah, 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 blah. Guys, that's not the case here. We're, you know, I, I just don't get it. I really don't. And I understand people are are upset about that. But our forefathers foresaw this and they put things in place to fix it and to prevent it to the best that they could. Now, one of the other, some of the other memorable elections, and this is, you know, just, you know, uh, 
is most recent to us here, Donald Trump became the fifth president ever to win despite losing the popular vote in 2016. President Bush in 2000 did not win uh, the popular vote. It was settled based off of the Supreme Court on the Florida recount when they actually stated that some of those ballots were illegal because they were not you know, completed. So the you remember the pregnant chads or the hanging chads? Hanging chads, yeah. Yeah, both of those. Um, Benjamin Harrison and Rutherford B. Hayes. You know the their re, their uh, election was also <laughs> it was so it says um, Benjamin Harrison eighteen eighty eight Rutherford B Hayes eighteen seventy six who moved to the White House only after a controversial electoral commission helped him overcome a massive popular vote deficit in eighteen seventy seven and John Quincy Adams whose eighteen twenty four election was the first year the popular vote was counted so we've consistently gotten better you know, on how we do things. And there was quite a time when, you know, we didn't have any issues. Uh, the presidents aren't alone in unusual election stories. Uh, those presidents I mentioned earlier. Harry S. Truman won in 1948 despite the publication of a newspaper that announced otherwise. So I remember seeing... Dewey won. Yeah, and he held that 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 image mm-hmm. up. That was pretty cool. I remember seeing that picture. Um, in 2016, Hillary Clinton lost to Donald Trump. Um, and what was interesting is Hillary Clinton won 65,844,610 votes. Uh, Donald Trump won 62,979,663 votes, but the electoral college count is what counted. So Trump won the right amount of states to get him over the, the needed, um, electoral victory there and i think it's 270 i think if you if you hit 270 the first to hit 270 makes that uh that win uh currently and um then we have here excuse me trump was the first president in more than 60 years with no experience serving in congress or as a governor the only others to do so dwight d eisenhower and herbert hoover Found that interesting. At age 70, Trump was the oldest president in U.S. history. Um, Ronald Reagan was 69 when he was sworn in. Um, Let's see here. There were a couple others I wanted to share. Where did those go? Um, (laughs) Let's see. Some of these were really actually some pretty cool, interesting things. And again, these are found on history.com. And you can find all you can find some of these uh, famous things here. So, in the election of 1888, candidates Benjamin Harrison and Grover Cleveland um, were on the the ticket. The winner was Benjamin Harrison, and he won the popular vote by eleven thousand votes, roughly eleven thousand votes. Yeah, that's how close that presidential election was. Um, I'm sorry, a hundred and eleven thousand. I can't math tonight. <laughs> Harrison lost the popular vote, um, but was able to win the Electoral College thanks largely to victories in two swing states, New York and Indiana. Although Grover Cleveland, the 22nd president, lost his re-election, re-election campaign in 1888 against Harrison, he returned to the White House in 1893 as the 24th president. Benjamin Harrison was the grandson of President William Henry Harrison, who died of pneumonia in 1841, just one month after taking office. 
Rutherford B. Hayes, another um, famous Ohioan, uh, against Samuel Tilden. The winner was Rutherford B. Hayes, and it looks like they were very close. Uh, they're roughly a little over two million, or yeah, a little, roughly over two million vote difference there. Um, but of course, it looks so. It says here, Electoral College: one hundred eighty-four goes to Tilden, one hundred sixty-five goes to Hayes, with twenty votes disputed. One hundred eighty-five to Hayes and one hundred eighty-four to Tilden was the final tally. So by one Electoral College vote, uh, because of the disputes. Because of disputed returns from several states and accusations that one Oregon elector was ineligible, neither candidate was able to capture the 185 votes needed for victory at that time. The Senate and House of Representatives deadlocked in how to count the votes. Uh, They finally agreed to establish the Electoral Commission, which, after an independent member had to drop out was made up of eight Republicans and seven Democrats. The commission gave the elect the election to Hayes eight to seven congressional Democrats then used a series of stalling tactics to delay confirmation of the vote eventually. And what many believe will be a compromise in which the Republicans agreed to a conciliatory attitude toward the South in the midst of the Reconstruction, in return for a Hayes presidency, some Democrats began to support Hayes. Congress confirmed his election on March 2nd, 1877. Angered by the results of the election, some Northern Democrats referred to Hayes as his fraudulency. After becoming president, Hayes announced he would serve just one term and was true to his words. So I found that kind of interesting. Uh, some of the big things that we have going on right now in the in Ohio with our vote locally is um, Senate and House uh, seats, both at the state level and in the federal level. So, Mike, I don't know if you know this or not, but if you would like to be a in the uh, the Ohio legislature, basically you have to live in the state. For one year and live in your area for one year that's it basically um it doesn't really show um an age at all in in what i'm looking at in the um the constitution so now if you want to be in a federal federal seat so you want to be let's say you want to be a house representative that you the the esteemed mike wilson representative of the great County of Morrow in Ohio, you need to be at least 25 years old. I qualify. I think you hit that one. Uh, And you have to have been a U.S. citizen for at least the last seven years and inhabit the state in which you represent. That's for House. So that's 25 for the House, right? So let's look at the Senate. If you want to be in the Senate, you have to be at least 30. And you have to be a U.S. citizen for at least nine years in the resident, in the state in which you want to um, represent. I found that interesting. 30 as a senator, 25 as a House of Representatives member. I I just found those very interesting. I don't know if you do or not, but, you know, just some interesting things there um, that I wanted to share. So anything else for that, Mike? I think we're ready to go back to the, uh, to 2022. Let's go. (laughs) 
All right, Mr. Mike. What else we got? Uh, You've got some stuff, some stuff written. Hang on. Un momento, por favor. Warning. 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 Terrible, terrible puns ahead. Warning. 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 You know what? I think tonight, I think we need to put in some underscore music. So hang on here. Ready? (laughs) There we go. Okay. Joey. Yeah. Do you know what the difference is between bird flu and swine flu? One makes you want to poop on a windshield, and I don't know what the other one does. Oh, my. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one requires tweetment, and the other requires oinkment. (laughs) I thought I had bird flu once. You did? Yeah, I thought I wanted to poop on someone's windshield. It wasn't mine. It Um, wasn't. Okay. Do you know what the definition of a kidney is? Yeah. What? I don't know. You tell me. It's a, it's a, a filter organ, but it's it, it's it's the middle leg joint of a small child. A kidney. <laughs> I'm cracking myself up, folks. I got a million of them. This is ridiculous. <laughs> what did the beach say as the tide came in? Hi, tide. No. Oh, long time no see. <laughs> What kind of dog brings you a roll of toilet paper while you're on the toilet? A lavatory retriever. You got it. Yay. Yeah. I have one more. Okay. Uh, you know, folks don't take so much of a good thing. So Yeah. <clears throat> the ancient Greeks buried the dead with coins to pay for transport across the river Styx. This was the first cryptocurrency. Wow. All right. On that note, we are going to end because I'm afraid he might break out something more. So, all right, folks, hopefully you went out there and uh, we'll cover some of the elections next week. The results. There are a couple ballot things out there as well that we'll cover. Until next time, be nice to each other, be kind to each other, give grace, and we'll see you then. Ta-ta.